Good morning. Welcome into In Focus on News Radio KMAN. We're chatting with Greg McClure here today, Riley County uh, Extension Ag Agent, joining us in the studio. Good morning, Greg. Good morning. You uh, enjoying this weather we're having? It's kind of been fluctuating the last few days. Well, I can enjoy part of it. You know, there's good <laughs> days and there's bad days. Most of it I haven't enjoyed a whole lot, and, and unless you really like wind. I, I hate wind. I keep telling everybody that's my least favorite weather uh, event that we have. Yeah, I was at a meeting a couple of days ago that uh, had some, some of my Western Kansas agent friends at, and I told them that we'd been experiencing their wind for the last 8 to 10 days and that I was kind of tired of it. Yeah. yeah. I, I grew up kind of halfway between here and there, so Phillips County, and it gets plenty windy out there. It's one thing I don't miss about that part of the country. Yeah, it's, it's certainly uh, – the further west you go, and you get into Wyoming and Nebraska and Colorado, it just seems like that's like the, the windiest it, part of the country. It, it seems like it, but if you were living here the last two weeks, you would think this is a pretty windy part of the country. I lost more shingles. Oh, no, really? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't lose the barn door, but I got home the other night, and it was trying to swing out, and so I had to go wake up my son, who was, what was it, about 8 o'clock, and he was asleep. <laughs> you know, that's the that's the high school kid. You know, stay up late, get out of school, come home, sleep, then stay up late again. And I had to wake him up to go help me pull that barn door back in, and we ended up uh, actually pulling the thing open and hooking it open because I couldn't get it closed. Mm. Kind of a mess. It wasn't any, it wasn't any fun. Certainly, yeah. Well... Let's uh, let's talk about uh, keeping calves healthy here. That was a topic of your livestock association meeting. Yeah, we had a livestock association meeting a couple of weeks ago. We had uh, Bob Larson come in. Bob's in the vet school here at K State and does some outreach programs. I think primarily with uh, veterinarians, but uh, we can get him to do some work for us sometimes. And so we had a topic of keeping calves healthy. Uh, the the takeaway point for me uh, that I thought was really interesting, and, and you know, I suppose I should have known this long time ago, is that. In the first two weeks of the calving season, you rarely have a scours problem, uh, and it takes a while for those pathogens to build up and for those calves to get those pathogens and to start passing those to other calves. And so uh, if you can make the the whole season seem like the first two weeks, you can have a, a pretty easy calving season. And so, and I knew about this before, you know, they have what uh, they call the Sandhills Calving System. Uh, developed in the Sandhills, Nebraska. Uh, the concept is to have several calving pastures and uh, calve in one for two weeks and then leave those cows that have had calves in that pen and then move all of the heavy pregnant cows then to the next pasture. Uh, and by doing that, even though it's it may be fence to fence, it uh, avoids enough of that contact from calf to calf uh, that you don't build up the scour problems. You know, great system, uh, can take some work, but uh, the folks that are doing it say that uh, those cows, you know, if they work their cows enough, they, they learn to make those moves. Uh, you can kind of walk through and leave the ones with babies behind. You know, I don't know. I, I think that if you've got uh, really crazy cows that uh, it would work the next year because you'd get rid of the crazy cows, that kind of deal. But uh, by avoiding that nose-to-nose contact with those older calves, uh, you tend to avoid many of the the problems. I I like the the analogy that uh, Bob gave us at that meeting was, you know, you think about uh, having your new baby. Take them to a daycare with all the snotty-nosed toddlers running around there. What's going to happen? Your new baby's going to get sick. 
And so if you can keep your new baby away from those snotty-nosed toddlers, and so in our case, that would be those uh, three-week-old to four-month-old calves, keep our new ones away from those, we can probably keep them from getting sick. And so that's a, a concept that our ranchers need to have in mind. You know, we know we don't want to calve up in a muddy lot, but it's not just the muddy lot that's the problem. It's all that nose-to-nose contact, all those older calves with the younger calves infecting them. And so that's the way that system works. Uh, I think it's an idea that we just need to keep throwing out there, and more and more people will pick it up. Kind of like social distancing your calves. Well, it is kind of like social distancing, isn't it? I don't know I don't, that that's really the good way to to analyze that because I don't know too many people that really liked that concept. But honestly, I think many of us were had fewer sicknesses over the last two years. We didn't get as many colds. We didn't get as much flu because we were being more careful. Yeah. So it really is kind of the same concept. All right. Well, another thing we're seeing a lot of here, and uh, we usually do this time of year, is range burning. Yeah, I kind of hate to be the guy to, to talk about it when we've had fires getting away. But, uh, you know, we do we do education on range burning regularly. It's an every-year deal. And, you know, there isn't as much education that we feel like we need to do with uh, the producers as, as maybe – the, the rest of us out there as to why do we do this, you know, because, you know, you and me, you know, smoke might bother us a little bit. It does. It does me. Although, you know, I had my own pasture burn. What we did that uh, about 10 days ago. And so we burned the little pasture that I put my sheep on. Uh, even though the smoke bothers me, it's a job that we think we need to do. And part of the, there's a couple of reasons we do it. You know, one of the big ones in this country is to control those cedar trees. You know, it takes a, a burn every three to four years to really keep those cedar trees under control. You need to catch them while they're small. Um, and, and otherwise, we have the mess that uh, some of those fires have gotten into in the last few, well, I guess the last week or so, when they get into some big trees and, and brush and they're really hard to control. Um if you see, uh, I saw a post from uh, one of our good ranchers down in uh, Wabunja County the other day, a fire that, that got away but was easy to control because it had been in a, it got into a pasture that had been burned regularly. So it didn't get into one of those that had all the big cedar trees in it. And so that's what we'd like to avoid. We'd like to keep things clean, like to keep it as good rangeland instead of letting so much of this land turn to what some think might be good hunting habitat. I I may see that a little different. You know, I you let those trees get big enough, and you don't have wildlife habitat. You've got a hiding place. And we have too many of those out in the country that are just tree to tree and uh, hardly any grass able to grow. And if we if we don't have fires to keep those under control, to keep that range in good shape, we're going to have more problems like that. I think it's good to share that education piece because this is a transit community, and there's a lot of people that – Come and go here from the Manhattan area. So, Well, yeah, if you come in here from some other state where burning isn't regularly, it's like, why are they messing with my air? And and honestly, you know, we have that, uh, you know, we try to spread those burns out, try to burn on the right days that we don't uh, send smoke to the highly populated areas. You know, so if it's, if it's going into, what, Lincoln and uh, Omaha or going to Kansas City, you know, that's usually when we hear about it because, you know, we put their high levels of contaminated air air 
above, so we, we make it go to a higher level. Uh, you know, they've already got a little bit of smog and then add our smoke and, and it's a problem. Uh, you know, and I get it, but it's a part of the range management system. You know, it's not just to keep the pastures clean. Uh, if we're running stalker calves down through the Flint Hills, you get down to Chase County and those areas, those guys will burn pretty much every year because they're going to get better gains on their calves. So they put those 500-pound calves out there, and you know they're getting paid on the gain that they get up, get from it. And a burned pasture is going to pr- provide, you know, I think the number is 11% better gain. I should have looked that up, but uh, that sticks in my mind from, from many years ago. And so we are going to get better gains on those stalker calves. With a cow operation, it's more a matter of keeping the pasture in good shape so that years down the road we still have grass. All right. Well, with the changing seasons here, I know folks are going to be out there planting some crops. So what's uh, the good stuff to do here in late April? You know, we had this conversation uh, again the other day as I was uh, on a tour. It's like, is there, is there any corn planted in Riley County? Well, there is some. You know, I haven't talked to a lot of producers. Um, but there's. I've also talked to some that say, you know, the ground's really still too cold. And so really for corn planting, we're looking at a temperature of 50 to 55 degrees. You know, instead of looking at the calendar, if you look at the calendar, you'll find that uh, there are people that want to plant corn April 1. Um, and often April 15 is closer to the time when we'll get that 50 to 55 degrees. Um, I have to admit that I haven't stuck a thermometer in the ground, so I don't know what the soil temperature is. We could look that up. Uh, somebody wants to uh, go go to the Kansas Mesonet or whatever it is and, and check and see what the soil temperature is. Uh, they could call me and tell me so I so I would actually know. But the farmers that uh, we talked to, most of them are saying, you know, it's not really warm enough yet. There's no hurry. And so there's a little bit of corn planted. There's actually a little bit of soybeans planted. Mm-hmm. And so that is a new concept that uh, I'm not sold on yet. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that all works out. In my mind, we plant Soybeans, after we get done planting corn, we try to get those soybeans planted in late May. I think for our area here in Kansas that that's going to give us the best yields. If you look at the all the promotion that we're seeing, I think mostly coming out of the I states, so, you know, the Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, uh, you know, those big corn and soybean states, they're saying you want to get some soybeans in the ground, and then when it's right to plant corn, go plant your corn. I, I'm not buying it. Uh, however, I know that we have some that are trying it here, and so I'm watching to see how it works. Um, they may prove me wrong. You know, it's been that's happened before. So I need somebody to, to try it. Let me know how it turns out. Uh, I wouldn't be planting soybeans yet. You know, we really need the 55 to 60 degrees, and you know that occurs after the 50 to 55. You know, for for the corn. Mm-hmm. So the logical order is to plant your corn, plant your soybeans. Um, then in this country probably move to grain sorghum. Grain sorghum uh, wants to emerge when it's 65 to 70 degrees, so you know that's getting even later. Uh, we'll plant grain sorghum in uh, mid to late May, sometimes here, but most of the producers that uh, plant grain sorghum really like the 1st of June, somewhere in that 1st to the 5th of June, and they've done it enough years to know that, that that's kind of when the soil temperature is going to be right, it's going to pop right up, and they're going to get good yields from it. All right. Well, uh, as far as uh, beyond this month, the next couple months, tractor safety courses coming up in the summertime? 
Yeah, with this is the time of year we start promoting our tractor safety course. If you look across the state, there will be some other counties and districts that are doing their tractor safety courses in April. We try to do ours after the kids are out of school and uh, before they really get involved in a lot of other things. And it gets a little tricky because we have we try to work around 4-H discovery days and whatever else. And so we get a little bit farther back into June than we'd like. So we're at uh, June 7 and 8 this year for our tractor safety course. And that tractor safety course is designed for youth ages 14 and 15 years old because those are the are the uh, students, the youth that are required to have a tractor safety course in order to be able to legally be employed on a farm. If they are 16 and up, they can get a job without the course. Most who are going to employ someone will will want them to have the course. Even though we don't teach them to drive, we spend an awful lot of time trying to instill a safety attitude, and so we talk about power takeoffs. We talk about uh, what it, how easily tractors turn over. Uh, you know, they are much different from operating an automobile. Even though there's some concepts there that, that pass through, there's a lot more danger in operating a tractor, and there's machinery, there's places to, you know, lose fingers and lose arms, and, and there's more ways to lose life. Um, and we know far too many who have been in farm accidents. And so, you know, I spend quite a bit of time in that class actually naming the people that I know who have been in farm accidents. And so maybe that'll have an impact on our students and, and get them to be a little safer when they get out there on the farm. All right. So, so we do a two-day course. So it's actually a day and a half. So it's June 7 and 8. We'll do that at Can Equip over in Wamego. Uh, the site is is great for this class because they've got a classroom we can use, and then we've got equipment we can go look at, and so we're able to point out all the you know many of the dangers on that equipment. And you'd be surprised how many students we get who really aren't farm kids. You know that uh, I, I even had my son in the class. I mean, he kind of is a farm kid, but we're really a hobby farm, and so you know a lot of the stuff he hasn't seen. You know, he didn't get to go out and, and work with Grandpa. And, and so, you know, we try to get, try to give them the first basics and give them the, the first introduction and then hope that their employer will spend more time with them. All right. So important. And uh, looking ahead here beyond, what else do we have coming up? Well, the next thing that I've got uh, later on in the summer that I think it's time to start thinking about, we've got a uh, Riley County Livestock Association summer tour. Um, that's scheduled for Sunday, August 28th. So if you want to just put that on your calendar, Sunday, August 28th, 5.30 p.m. And we're going to go to Booth Creek Wagyu. So we'll be up near Olsberg. I think this will be a really, really interesting tour. Most of us have not seen those cattle. Uh, the Wagyu cattle are much, much different. Um, I think you could probably describe them as ugly, and that would uh, be accurate. The Wagyu, I don't know, Brandon, if you're real familiar with the, with the concept, uh, they're highly marbled. And so the, you're going to get the meat that's got a whole lot of marbling in it, and that's fat, basically, inside the, inside the muscle that makes it juicier and appears more tender. And so it's, it's kind of a specialty, um, and there's a, it's higher priced. And so it's an interesting market. Uh, it's an interesting concept. And so I think we'll have a lot of people that are interested in seeing that. Sunday, August 28th, Riley County Livestock Association Summer Tour. All right. Well, Greg, it's always a pleasure to get these updates. Thanks for coming in and uh, have a good weekend. Thank you.
Good morning. Welcome into In Focus on News Radio KMAN. Uh, today we're talking with the uh, program coordinator from the Riley County Senior Center, and that is Liz Nelson. Uh, Liz, good morning. Good morning. Uh, it's an exciting month here as we get into springtime. I know there's a lot going on at the Senior Center. Uh, have you guys been busy out there this month? We've been real busy. We've got some uh, great programs going on that uh, people are coming into, and um, pe- folks are really starting to pick up with the exercise program in person again. So that's been really good, too. All right. Well, uh, let's talk about some of the upcoming things you have uh, here the, still yet in the month of April and uh, as we get into May. Okay, great. Um, we have a jewelry sale coming up. It's a one-day jewelry sale on Thursday, the 28th this month. So come on in and check out what we have and might find something good that you want to take home with you. Okay. What time, and, what time will that be? It's, it's just all day okay. during our, our business hours. And, you know, once we're done, we're done. We don't, you know, we, we have certain sales during the year that we'll just do like one day. And then, for instance, next month in May, we're going to do a fabric sale. That's right. on the May 19th. So that's our next one-day sale coming up. Okay. And I understand, too, uh, one one program that uh, kind of got postponed because of weather last month is coming back uh, on April 25th. Yes. That's the um, that's our program put on by an elder justice group, and it's called Frauds and Scams. So the Deputy Attorney General of the state will be at the Senior Center, and he'll be educating about how to avoid frauds and scams. And it, uh, this is hosted by the Flint Hills Volunteer Center and the AmeriCorps Senior Program. And that will be at the center April 25 at 1 p.m. Okay, that's, that's a the Monday. Yeah, great opportunity there. We don't want to miss that. So I uh, highly encourage people to check that out. Uh, I see here uh, another item coming up here, and that uh, is the Community Health improvement plan discussion. I know Riley County Health Department's kind of been uh, pushing this uh, lately. Yes. So the very next day after frauds and scams, the community health improvement, um, the health department will be coming to talk about and get input from folks. So they're going to, you know, different, different groups around town trying to get input from people, and it's going to be an opportunity to address what you believe are the needs um, and, and what your idea is for a healthy Manhattan community. So that will be your opportunity to let the, um, the health department know what you think we need to be doing in Manhattan. Okay. Well, in kind of falling in line with that is uh, National Healthcare Decision Day. Uh, I, I'm looking for that on the calendar. What does that come up? Um, actually, that happened Thursday. Oh, okay. So we're coming to we're coming to folks on Friday, but National Healthcare Decision Day. Um, we had people in from different organizations in town helping to give people information about advanced care planning. And um, so 
Okay. It was a good program. Yes. Good program. Well, absolutely. That's uh, that's always uh, important to have a plan here. As you look ahead, uh, I know there's some other changes going on at the Senior Center right now. Uh, we we noted uh, last month that Jamie Ramsey was leaving after a long time at the Senior Center, and uh, I, there is some good news. I know you can't share everything, but uh, there is a new director coming aboard. And that will be um, finalized Friday afternoon at the board meeting. So once that is all finalized, then we'll be able to share that information with folks, and we will definitely do that. All right. Yeah, and I know your main newsletter is already out, so that won't be in there. But Yes. <laughs> yeah. But Timing didn't work out real great for that, but, um, you know, we'll, we'll spread the word in other ways. Yeah, we're talking with Liz Nelson here from the Riley County Senior Center. Liz, I know you guys like to take outings every once in a while with uh, the different members there. Have have you done that lately? Yeah, we have. You know, when you look on our newsletter or on our calendar, which um, we mail out to members of the Senior Center or that you can find online. I know not everybody likes to go online, but um, it's there as well. We took a tour of the Ice Family Basketball Center earlier in April, and it was a really great tour. We had these wonderful tour guides that we've had a couple times up at K-State. And while we were there, there were some gentlemen waving at us, and they came out. It turned out they were new assistant coaches, and they called Coach Tang down, and he came down and met the group and shook hands, and that was really fun. It was really fun. felt like a little extra special surprise that we got to experience when we were up there at the basketball center, and we appreciated it so much. You know, um, it was just super fun to meet the new coach. But then also later this month, we're going to a K-State baseball game. So that's going to be on a Friday evening. The Wildcats are facing UC Irvine. So it's an evening game. It starts at 6, and it's at the Toynton Family Stadium where they play the baseball game. And I have 12 tickets available at $3 a ticket, and we'll be in an area that has um, seats with seat backs on it so it should be fairly comfortable it's not just a you know just a big long stadium bench that we're sitting on and they uh, folks can call the center to reserve a ticket to reserve a ticket um and then next month in may we're going to the zoo so we have a tour planned at the zoo and we're going to see the new expedition asia exhibit and i got a peek at it when while it was being constructed and it looks really beautiful and i think it's going to be a great addition to the sunset zoo so that's where we're going in may i can i can vouch for that i was there for the grand opening last weekend and it is amazing so uh hopefully the tiger will be out the tiger was kind of in and out um last week but yeah it's a great exhibit neat yeah and i i was trying to pick a uh part of it i was trying to pick a time and day where Hopefully the weather will just be just right to be outside and at the zoo. So, All right. Well, good stuff as always. And uh, if people want to give you guys a call, what's the phone number they can reach you at? Uh, the phone number here is 785-537-4040. 
And please do, when you decide to come to a program, call and let us know. It helps us plan for how many people to prepare for. And I hope one of the things you're calling in to participate in is a program that we're calling uh, Even More Pollinators. Um, today, Friday, we're having a pot a plant, pot a pollinator plant <laughs> event. So we've got someone coming in, Kate McNeil, and she's educating about pollinators and how to grow plants that attract pollinators. And then later in the month, Greg Eyestone, that a lot of folks are familiar with, he's coming from the Extension Office, and he's going to tell us even more about pollinators and uh, the habitat they need and uh, they make sure they weren't giving the information. So it'll be kind of extended time to learn pollinators. And he's coming Friday, April 29 at... One o'clock. All right. Very good. Well, that's some good information as well. Liz, it's uh, always good to talk to you here and uh, safe travels. I know you're uh, traveling out out west, so uh, please be safe out there. Okay. Well, thanks so much. Good to talk to you too, Brandon, and can't wait to see folks coming into the center. Good morning. Welcome into In Focus here on News Radio KMAN. Our next segment, uh, we're going to be talking with the director of the T. Russell Wright's Animal Shelter, and his name is Bryce Kolk. Good morning. Uh, good morning. Thanks for having me. Good to have you here again. We're going to talk about a few different topics here. Uh, I know there's um, some things going on here at the Animal Shelter that uh, I know you'd like to probably highlight here first. Let's do that. Uh, any Any upcoming activities you've got going on? Um, well, we uh, May 28th, we have a open house here um, at the shelter. Um, we're going to be doing a couple behind-the-scenes tours, uh, letting the community come out and, you know, kind of meet our event coordinator, our behavioral enrichment trainers and uh, veterinarians um, that we partner with, <clears throat> and just kind of see what we're doing here, changes that we're making and what we're doing to try and you know, make the animals more comfortable here and, you know, programs we're either implemented or are wanting to implement that are going to help the community as well. So that's probably the first time you've been able to do that here since you took over. Is that right? Yes. Yep. It is. Okay. Well, that's good. Cause I remember when you started, it was like, uh, uh, all of a sudden we had to shut down cause of COVID. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, that'll be a uh, fun, fun to learn about here. Um, our topic here, our primary topic here of this morning's conversation has to do with uh, strays and, and different things uh, along that nature here. Uh, we did get word here, I think it was a week or so ago, uh, someone from Wamigo had a, brought a stray in there, and uh, she said there were some, some challenges to that. Uh, I understand the shelter has an out-of-area fee here that you guys charge uh, when you bring a stray in. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. So um, we have contracts with Pottawatomie County, uh, City of Wamigo, City of St. George, uh, City of Ogden, City of Riley, and City of Leonardville. Um, and those contracts, um, we agree with city officials that if they are to have found a stray animal, um, they have the ability to bring it to us and we charge them um, a set fee in our contracts. 
Um, if anybody is from out of those areas and wants to bring a straight in themselves, you know, and contact us, we advise them to contact city officials um, since we have those contracts. Uh, depending on staff availability, space in the shelter, um, if we do take in a stray from one of these areas we consider out of area, um, there would be an $80 surrender fee that that citizen would would uh, pay at that time of dropping off that stray if it was accepted. Um, so we really try to get people to contact their city officials with those contracts. Um, and get their advice on on what they want citizens in their areas to do. Sure. Well, I know some some places don't have the benefit, I guess, of uh, being able to reclaim. I guess that's a good thing here that we have it in Manhattan, but certainly creates a, a little bit of a challenge sometimes. It sounds like correct. Yeah, yeah. We we hear some of those challenges, um, and you know our main focus is on the Riley County and the city of Manhattan. Um, you know, we provide animal control services as well to all of Riley County um, and the city of Manhattan. And so that has to be our main focus um, since we are, you know, a government entity and are supported by those taxpayers, um, you know, tax dollars. Sure. Well, it's uh, it's interesting. It looks like you guys have had a, a lot of strays coming into the shelter as of late. Is that right? Yeah, that that is correct. We have had it, quite a few, <laughs> more than more than I could count right now. Um, you know, we're we're seeing upwards of five, six, seven, eight dogs come in as a stray. You know, we've had reports that some of those people have seen dumped. Um, you know, it, m- many of those are not being reclaimed. Um, I I think we've had one stray that has actually had a microchip that was current. You know, the few that we have had with microchips are, you know, out, outdated. Um, they don't have current owner's information. And, you know, it's it's sad to see not only high intakes of, of these stray dogs, but, you know, for them to not go back home. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure what we can do, you know, to help the community out. You know, we, we do offer $10 microchips every day that we're open. There's no appointment needed. Uh, local veterinarians, I believe, do offer microchips as well. Um, we offer city license for identification. We encourage them to have rabies tags or some sort of a pet ID tag on um, so that we can get them back home. Well, any idea what's uh, the cause of an uptick like that? Um, I mean, maybe it's the end of the school year or something like that, being in a college town. Yeah, we, we really don't know. I mean, we have heard from, from other shelters throughout all of Kansas. Um, they're struggling as well. They're mm-hmm. having high intakes, high owner surrenders right now. Um, so I don't know if people are just dumping them in Manhattan um, or or what it is. But it's just it's unusual yeah, to have this many strays that just don't seem to have a, a home to go back to. Yeah. Well, that's, that is sad. Hopefully uh, we can get some of them reclaimed here in the future. And I guess it's good news if somebody is looking to adopt that you've got uh, a few extra animals on hand then. Oh, definitely. Definitely. I think we have uh, two cats. Our cats have been getting adopted pretty quickly, but um, we do have quite a few dogs right now. All right. Well, you mentioned the microchipping, and uh, that's, that's so important. Uh, 
and you said you guys offer that there, but uh, also it's good time to remind people to make sure your animals are confined so maybe we can cut down on some of these stray dogs coming in. Right, yeah, making sure that you're paying attention to the door when you open it, keeping that garage closed, um, you know, checking your fences, making sure that they're locked, that sort of thing. Um, we also, on our Facebook daily, we post strays that come in so the public can see those. We also share them to a couple local lost Facebook pages as well. So if we would definitely encourage people to not only call and report their animal lost here so we have a record, um, but also posting on those pages. All right, and that's that's good good news there because if you don't know what to do, I, I don't know that I always would uh, would know who to call first. I guess you'd probably call Brandon Sogel there, huh? Yeah, yeah, that's that's another good option as well is just calling straight into Riley County PD um, and dispatch can make a report every morning. We get a, a full call log of all the calls that were called in, um, animal control calls, stray calls, you know, lost and found, that sort of thing. So, you know, if it's after hours and you lost your dog, you know, feel free to call the shelter and leave a message, but also, you know, making a report into Riley County Police Department as well. All right, very good. We're talking with Bryce Kolk, the uh, director of the T. Russell Rights Animal Shelter here in Manhattan. Uh, you mentioned uh, there for a moment kittens, or, or cats specifically, but it is kitten season here. Uh, and uh, there are opportunities to foster kittens. Is that is that right, really? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, we, we had a couple neonatal kitten care classes. Hmm. Um, had a great turnout. Um, got a, several fosters um, that are kind of waiting waiting in the back um, to help us out if we do have anything come in that's needing um, you know temporary home fostering um, but we could we can always use fosters um, for kittens you know we puppies we have a couple puppies that have come in as strays that are a little under socialized that you know just need to get into home and get socialized before they're adoptable um, so yeah we, we have several foster opportunities um, if anybody's looking to, to foster we provide all the supplies needed um, the animals we, we vet the animals um, it's just a, a temporary home it could be anywhere from a week to a couple weeks depending on the circumstance um, and all we're asking is you to let them come into your home for a little bit and give them lots of TLC well sounds good you just sign up online or something or Yes, you can stop in at the shelter um, when we're open to pick up a foster application, um, or you can shoot an email to the animal shelter at cityofmanhattan.com email. Okay. Well, that's that's pretty neat. Um, great program, great opportunities here, and I know you're always looking for volunteers, right? Oh, yeah. Yep, we can always use volunteers, especially right now <clears throat> where the weather's nice, um, <clears throat> even if somebody just has an hour in the afternoon to spare and wants to come get a shelter dog out and help it enjoy the weather on a, a little walk on the trails here behind the shelter. I've got a beautiful animal shelter here in Manhattan. We're so lucky to have it. And uh, I know you guys do good work out there. Is there anything else uh, that we want to highlight here this morning? I, the, those are the, those are the biggest things right now, you know, needing fosters, volunteers, and, you know, kind of helping advise people on what to do if they do find a stray. 
What's so. w- let's give uh, the phone number real quick to the shelter if we could. Yeah, um, the animal shelter's phone number is seven eight five five eight seven two seven eight three. All right. Very good. Bryce, always appreciate the uh, chance to get an update from the shelter and uh, hope we'll get some reclaims here going pretty soon. Hopefully. <laughs> good morning. Welcome into In Focus here on News Radio KMAN. For our next segment, we're going to be talking with uh, Jeff Romine, area superintendent out of Wamego with the Kansas Department of Transportation. We're talking National Work Zone Awareness Week, which is happening this week. Jeff, good to talk to you. Nice talking to you, too. Thank you. Uh, so this week, uh, we've seen a lot of uh, orange here in uh, throughout the state, uh, kind of bringing awareness to this topic. Uh, tell us uh, a little bit about this uh, effort here this week and what's going on. Well, as you know, this is the April 11th through the 15th is the Work Zone Awareness Week. And on uh, April 13th, we have a, a wear orange to support folks that work on the on the roadway. And it's just we're trying to get out to the general public about safety and awareness in a work zone. All right. There's so many things I know in our cars these days that can distract us. And I've seen some statistics here. A lot of these incidents that happen usually are because people aren't paying attention. That is correct. It seems like we have a lot of incidents with people not paying attention. And I'm not going to say it's completely because of mobile phones, but... I've been involved with some accidents, but it was a, a mobile phone that was involved in it. Mm. So we have uh, work zones all across the state, even here in the Manhattan area. And, uh, you know, the idea is slow down, give them a break, and uh, really pay attention. Yeah, keep your keep your head in your eyes at all times. And, of course, when you see the lights, the blinking lights and, and the barrels and the cones, that's to make you aware that you're coming into a work zone and that we need to be aware of everything, not only the drivers, but the people that are working there, too. And for those who aren't aware, I know that fines double in work zones. Isn't that, uh, at least I think that's right. Is that correct? That is correct. They do double in a work zone. And you're going to see more work zones probably pop up as the weather warms up. Yes, Um, and they've been really good with the highway program. So we have a a lot of new construction or rehabbing going on from overlays to bridges to, you know, realignment, like K-99 here south of Wamego. So there is a lot of work going on around the area. It's interesting. I'm looking at these work zone facts here. It says there was an average of 3.2 work zone crashes every day in Kansas last year, 1,182 total crashes. And, you know, it's hard to believe there's that many. Uh, I guess maybe it's not too surprising, but at the same point, this is something that's so preventable. It is. But I think people get used to the being, because we have so much of the work zone going on, people get used to it and they're just not staying alert and checking their surroundings. Well, Jeff, uh, how long have you worked uh, with KDOT here? I've been with KDOT for 39 years. Okay. I started as an equipment operator in Osage City and moved up the line, and now I work for the area superintendent out of Walmaco. Fair to say you've probably seen your your share of people speeding through work zones. I have. I've been involved. Um, I, I've had three accidents involving myself. I've been in work zones, and then, of course, I've seen a numerous other ones. I think the latest one that I was involved in was on I-70 when we had an accident already, and I was providing traffic control, and the person just wasn't paying attention and ran into the back of my, my vehicle. Mm. 
Well, and a lot of times these guys, you know, maybe not in always in vehicles. They may be out on the roads, and that uh, you know certainly a, an elevated danger to them. Yeah, I was out of my vehicle. I was behind and had to stop slow paddle up trying to force them over. And like I said, they just didn't pay any attention. Well, and so many times when people are speeding, I know they're trying to save time, but it doesn't seem like that. Uh, it's not saving you what a whole lot of time if you're going any faster. No, it sure doesn't. And then, uh, you know, if you get in an accident, then, of course, your time is is past you now. You spend more time reviewing the accident and have to go through everything. Of course, the one project that really comes to mind out here right now for our area is uh, what's going on on Highway 24, and that's been slowed down for a little while. Um, what is the speed zone out there right now? Do you have that off the top of your head? I believe it is 45 mile an hour going through there. Okay. And, you know, that's a maintenance zone, but that's a city that's putting that on and not. I mean, it's a state highway, but we we really have no control over that because there's cities wanting to redoing it. Well, uh, as far as uh, advice you have for folks uh, this week, uh, obviously the, there's more awareness with, with the orange. It looks like they're going to light the governor's mansion orange this week. Uh, anything else you'd tell people? Well, I would just like to remind them, you know, summertime means there's a lot of cones and workers on the road, so don't become orange blind and kind of forget what they're doing. And remember them people that are working on the side of the road are just like themselves. They have a family and kids that they have to worry about. So if if they can help take care of us, we will help take care of them. All right. As far as uh, if people aren't sure if they, they're going to be traveling? If, is there some sort of map or something they can look up ahead of time to see where those work zones are at? Yeah, they can go to that 511, uh, the work zone on the KDOT page, and it, it'll give you for the entire state. And there's some other states that are involved, too, and they kind of go together. So if you are traveling to another straight state, you can go through the KDOT website, and it will help you. Okay, very good. And it, Looking back here, the last 10 years, the highest number of work zone crashes uh, was in 2016. There was over 2,000 of them, 2,145 the the number. Hopefully we don't see anything like that this year. But, you know, you, we mentioned as t- phones become more advanced, there's more things to distract us behind the wheel. So make sure you pay attention. That's correct. It is. We just want everybody to get home safe. All right. Well, Jeff, anything else before we wrap things up? Um. No, all their workers, you know, we're working hard to make your experience on the roadways more pleasant and safer. So please give us a break. Slow down and pay attention to what's going on around you. All right. Very good. Jeff, uh, appreciate uh, the time here this morning. And uh, we encourage people to, again, keep keep paying attention and uh, slow down. Yes, sir. Once again, our thanks to Jeff Romine, the area superintendent for the Kansas Department of Transportation. He's from the Wamigo area. We appreciate him being on with us here on News Radio KMAN. By the way, coming up on In Focus on Monday, we're going to hear from Alana Parker from the Riley County Historical Museum. We'll be talking about the history of the Manhattan City Park. That'll be a fun conversation. We'll also, uh, towards the end of the hour Monday, hear from Jonathan Mertz, Little Apple Pride. They've got their festival coming up. A week from tomorrow. Don't forget, you can check out any in focus anytime on demand at newsradiokman.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Blueville's Horticulture Hints comes up next here at News Radio KMAN.